And I'm also working with the author of the book, Black Nancy, Lennox Nelson, and his crew on a project he's handcrafting to bring life here very soon. Um, Outside of that, you know, I have big plans for the future. And right now I can say I'm honestly just enjoying the journey of, you know, the process that you go through to get to that place where you work so hard, you know, and you had that passion to get to. And, you know, as well as all the wonderful, motivating people that I've, you know, come come in to know during this whole process. I love what you said, enjoying the journey. Uh, so many of us we get so caught up in, in, in yesterday and tomorrow until we forget how awesome today is or what we do and choose to do, not to do, uh, affects that that tomorrow and that future. So I love that, enjoying the journey. I, I just, it, it just registered with my spirit, so I wanted to say that. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, tonight's topic is, uh, well, let me do this before. Let's just go back, getting into can't leave our trash can concept out and some other things, but just want to remind you all, and again, I'm so thankful that you all are so patient with this, but I'm going to continue to say this because it, it has helped me. It has helped many others. I've heard that, those stories as it helps you to, to be mindful of the mind and how it keeps up with with, with our stuff, so to speak. So for, for our new listeners and for you ones who've been here and have not tried this, what we ask you to do is move your trash can. Move a trash can, one that you frequently visit. Move it from one location to another. And in doing that, what you will in most cases find that you will return to its old location, the old location, the one that you moved it from. And as you do that, think about how quickly you went back to that that location because it's what you know. It is what you've become accustomed to. You knew where it was, all of that. And allow that to, to help you understand that our mind keeps up with the most smallest insignificant things in our lives. And they become routine. And as you think about that, what else is it in your life that you've just become accustomed to? That it's just what you do. It's who you know. So it just doesn't stop with something. It could be people as well. Um, so we should always be thinking about progressing and moving forward and being a better you today so that those choices affect your tomorrow in a great way. And it starts with the mindset. It truly does start with your thoughts and your mindset. So think about that. Try that. And remember, we sow a thought, we reap an action. We sow an action, we reap habit. Habit becomes our character, and our character becomes our destiny. It's sending us somewhere. So where are your thoughts leading you? Where are you going? Um, and it is, is it where you want to go? Is it is it in your plans? Because if you don't have a plan, a workable plan, one that, like the way Anthony Collins says, an, an organized action, organize your actions for your plan. If you just have a plan that's somewhere sitting down, you know about it, but you're not doing anything to get there then you really have nothing and you're going to end up wherever it is your thoughts are leading you. So what are your thoughts saying? Where are they leading you and what are you doing with your plan? So think about that. Um, tonight's topic, it, it's, you know, we, we got here tonight by conversations. Just I had one conversation too many within one week. And I was sharing with Val as we were talking, I was thinking, wow, this this. I must, there's something to be done with this because I continue to hear it, uh, story after story, similar, different stories, but similar stories, of course, because 
here we are tonight. And and basically what, what I was hearing was uh, mainly from women. Um, even today I heard a story, and I'm going to share that with you as well, but how we discriminate against one another. And in many cases, sometimes based on just the way we look, the color of our skin, where we come from, what side of the track, and so forth. And someone can just, you can walk into a room, and we've talked about you can have something on, uh, and someone just doesn't like you because of your presence when you walked in the room. Uh, you may be well put together, whatever, whatever it is, but they don't know you. They don't know who you are, where you come from, the shoes you've walked in, the struggles you've, you've had, if any at all. They don't know. But it's not about that. It's simply about your appearance. And when that happens, you guys, in most cases, we have to turn that mirror inward. We have to find out what's going on inside of us that continues to allow us to look at people and just dislike them without knowing anything about them. There is a certain thing called discernment, I know, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about you summoning someone a else up just by what they have on, what they don't have on, how they look, the color of their skin, and so forth. I heard a story today, and I'm going to share the most recent with you, um, in speaking with a lady that I've not met, and I was sharing with her uh, about something they are working on and putting together, and we're going to bring them on, but that's, that's a later show. And I expressed to her about tonight's show, the topic, and she said, interesting, and she started to share her story with me about her her two boys, she said, I have two boys, and they're about 11 months apart. One is light-complected, blue eyes, uh, and I believe she said blue. might have said gray, but they light color eyes, and one is darker than, than the oldest and uh, brown eyes, and she realized that people would constantly come up and, you know, she'd have both of her boys with her, but they'd continuously come up and acknowledge how, handsome, the light-complected one, talk about his eyes and how he is going to break the girl's heart and never really would say anything about her other child, as if he's not there. And how often have you seen that happen? Because as she talked about it, I could remember instances where you'd hear things, um, you know, she's pretty for a, for a little dark girl or something similar. Just you, you hear all these things and you wonder where does that come from and how have we gotten to this point and of course i think it comes it goes way back i think it started way back with slavery and how we went through things however now we're responsible for what we do with that and how we overcome that and treat one another we are certainly responsible for that so it was just story after story and i'll share some more as as we go through tonight's show um of the things that led us to this show some of the stories that I heard, and, and I know Rodney and Val may have some things to share. I know that they do have some things to share as well, but Val, tell us, we'll start with you, um, because we, we had a deep, deep conversation about that, so just kind of tell us where you, you know, where you come from in this area as far as your experiences, what you've dealt with, some things that you expressed to me as much as you'd like, and then we're going to have Rodney do the same, and then we'll kind of start from there. And remember, you guys, the lines are open. We, Rodney and I said we always want to stop and take our callers, always. So start with you, Val. Where, what are your thoughts on this, and share some of your stories. 
Um, well, I can say that um, my experience with this honestly started from the youth. It always seemed that the girls that were light-skinned or I'm going to say even white or possibly even mixed race, it always seemed like rather it had been with the boys or rather it had been with family and opportunity to them, it seemed like it was more available to them than it was to someone of my skin color. And honestly, I'm not the darkest thing in the world. I'm probably brown skin, light skin, if you want to say it like that. But in the long run, it ended up having an effect on me because it made me ashamed to be called an African-American. So what ended up happening is, I'm sorry, um, what ended up happening is, during the process of all of this, I began to take on the idea of, carrying the idea of being a mixed race because I was able to get away with it. I was light-skinned, you know, you know, a little bit with chinky eyes, and they thought that I was mixed with maybe black and Korean of some sort. And so, you know, I took that and I ran with it. And what ended up happening in the long run was, you know, I started to discriminate against who I was as a person, and I also ended up discriminating against the men of the African-American culture. I didn't want a black man at that point. I wanted white almost. Bright, bright skin, if I can get that, because to have a dark skin man was was the lowest of the form to me because I was discriminated so much, you know, towards that. I have a question for you, if I may jump in real quick, because mm-hmm. and I didn't, I didn't, if I missed this during our conversation, um, then I apologize, but I didn't get the part from our conversation about your feelings, um, because I, I, I see you as a light complected lady and 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 hearing that the first thing i wrote down she's not dark complected but even the more reason to talk about this because as society grows the complexions are getting lighter and people are really in Mm -hmm. my eyes becoming coming becoming to be the same color so to speak i i I look at this world and i think everybody's going to be brown here you know shortly it just seems like but when I hear you uh, mention that you felt like the light-complected seemed to, you know, have more accessibility to things, do you feel like that was the way it, it was? Um, and it, Or maybe that had to do a lot with how you were feeling about yourself as well. So that's a question. Do, do you feel like that really was, you know, the way it was? Or did some of it have to do with your internal feelings? Um, honestly, I think it was both. Um, based on my views of society and, you know, with the way that I was raised, I was raised around many cultures. Uh, you know, no one in my family that I know of had discriminated against any other culture. Um, you know, so seeing what was, I'm going to say, the cup of tea to everybody's liking, I think that played a big part in it. And it began mm-hmm. to make me look at myself as if I was ugly. Even though I may not have been a good, I've had people tell me that, oh, you're so pretty and this, that, and the third, but it didn't hit home. And for so many years, it caused me to be in the shame, you know, of, you know, accepting who I was. And it wasn't until I became an adult and I began to embrace the idea of who I am as an African-American woman and the things that we went through, not necessarily the struggles uh, but some of the good things that we've done and we've accomplished, you know, through time, it began to help me accept who I am as an individual in the African-American community, and it made me want to put forth uh, 
a stronger foot, should I say, in embracing that and helping others embrace that because so many children, even young ones in these days, still go through that. You know, because society says if you're light-skinned with long hair and pretty eyes, you're beautiful. They will naturally look at a woman that looks like that versus a woman who is like me with medium-length brown hair and brown eyes before, you know, and say that she is beautiful. And, you know, to be honest, I could be wrong, but um, my idea of the thing says that it all originated from the Willie Lynch letter, you know, because back then the thing was to have, the light skin against the dark skin, and I am a strong believer, even though we're a set of people, I still see us as a house, that a house divided against itself cannot stand. And I think that in the seed being planted of that is what we're looking at now is just a plant manifestation of that which was sold so many years ago. And Mm -hmm. you were right when you said it's up to us to make a difference to overcome this thing. We don't have to stay in that slave mentality, but I think a lot of people still choose to because some people in a lighter skin feel like they have an upper hand, I'm going to say, in life over the darker skin when it comes to that. Okay. Rodney, I know you're ready to jump in. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a question, um, and Tammy, either you or Val uh, can answer this, or both of you, but my question is what role does a parent play in their child's perspective, attitude, identity, self-esteem, what role do they play, and how can parents help their children with this issue? Um, this is Tammy. I'll go first. If the, the parent in every aspect and area of the child's life plays the greatest role. The, to me, we have to be it. And if and if we're not, we need to find someone who is and can, can provide it, because other otherwise you start to cycle over again. You we just continue to to repeat history, so to speak. Um, so I would say the greatest role. Um, and what was the second question? I'm sorry, I forgot. Oh no, I I just said how. Um, what can they? What can parents do to help their children with this crisis? Okay. Um, I think expose kids more to all kids, all all kids, to all of history. History is so limited into what our kids get, our African-American kids get. They they don't see greatness, a lot of it, enough of it. History is not taught in our classrooms, and it's not taught at home. Um, So, there's so many things that have been invented by people who look like our children. And I'm talking light, dark, whatever color, all in between. But we're not exposed to that. So we don't do a, a, a good job. We don't do enough, even in the school system, saying history should, black history should not have a month. History is history, period. So, number one, fight to get it in schools. And until then, teach it in your home. Allow them to see that, oh, we're more than, than basketball and football and uh, all that stuff. You, you can invent greatness. You can do things beyond that. That's okay, but you have a mind. You can think. And then allow them to see you as a parent living that living in your skin and being comfortable with 
And that's, I guess that's why I picked that song, because I told you guys I forgot, you know, what song I picked to start out. But just be thankful for what you have, how you have it, because we are beautiful in all colors, all colors. So that those are some of my suggestions. Val? Yeah, Tammy, I definitely couldn't agree with you more with that. Um, I can say that as a youth, I was exposed to a lot of different cultures. My uh, father was Air Force, so, you know, with that, you do a lot of traveling, and you discover uh, ethnic- different ethnicities and cultures that you probably never even thought of. I never even knew a Macronesian existed until I went to Hawaii, you know. Uh, but with that being said, uh, I feel like, Maybe my walk was different uh, from my parents, so to speak. Uh, maybe my dad didn't have to go through, and I'm only speaking to him because he's the one who raised me. Uh, maybe he didn't have to go through the racial discrimination as I did, you know, uh, considering where he was from. Um, so, you know, I believe that if I had had known a better history on who we are as African-Americans versus just hearing that, oh, we were slaves, oh, we worked in cotton. It's always just a weakness when it comes to someone speaking on the African-American versus speaking on the positive things which we have done in life and things which African-Americans actually brought to life first, and you would never even know about it, you know? So I definitely think starting at school and most definitely starting at home, educating your kids on who they are and where they're from and what they ought to stand for as an individual is very important because you have to prepare yourself as a parent. You have to prepare your children for what they're going to be up against in life. Because whether we want to face it or not, this is something that our children shall go through, just as well as we went through and so many others before us have went through. So definitely, you know, starting at home, yeah, it is important for an African-American parent to install that into their child because if a child sees that coming from their parent, I think it's something about it that will hit differently than it will, you know, hearing it from an outside perspective. Well, I have a question. You you, you brought up a question for me with your answer. Um, and, Rodney, maybe you can, you can start out with this one. Uh, do you feel that women – experience this or or have more issues with this more so than men? And if so, why? Have more issues with discrimination? With, with, with the color, with light skin versus dark skin or anything in between, do you feel like women um, have an issue with dealing with it more so than men, with the uncomfortable? Because, you know, we just seem to be a little bit more emotional in, in everything. So do you think that we have that more competitive uh, spirit when it comes to that than men do? Well, um, I do. Um, I, think that, uh, I think that women have a, have a bigger issue with it, mainly because if, if you just start with um, the nature of a man and the nature of a woman, women tend to worry about things more than, than men do. Men are usually laid back. You know, we, we're not too concerned. As long as we don't miss the game, you know, as long as we have something to eat, we're you know we're fine. Um, you know, a lot of things don't don't get to men. But even on top of that, you have, uh, you have to think about this too. Um, for a black man, he just has to deal with the fact that he's black. For a woman, she has to deal with the fact that she's a black woman because 
even white women don't get the respect that uh, that they should get at, just as a human being or, or as an individual sometimes. So you add to the fact that not only are you a female, now you are a black female. So women have always um, struggled in society, uh, even white women. Uh, they, they, they struggled, you know, if you think about even back during slavery, I mean, the things that, that women have to, to go through today, I mean, that's always been a women's issue. That's why we had the suffrage movement. That's why, you know, we've had so many uh, women's rights movements. Um, and, the, you know, so I think that women have more to deal with, especially black women, um, because now, you know, you're, you're, you're dealing with two different struggles. You're dealing with the struggle of just being black, and then you're dealing with the struggle of being a woman as well. So I think that women are more affected by this um, than men. Okay. Val, what are your, any thoughts on that? Um, I just have a question for Rodney. Rodney, um, we do live in today's society. I'm going to ask you as yourself and as your friends, do you notice that there is a difference in the liking of what you have and what your friends have when it comes to females versus the preference of the light-skinned or the dark-skinned woman? Say, say that one more time. Um, I said I'm going to ask you this question as for yourself as well as, you know, your surrounding friends. When you go out, and or I'm not sure if you're married now, uh, but before if you are married, uh, when you went out, did you notice that there was a higher preference to light-skinned or dark-skinned women as far as what you guys were looking for and what was considered as really attractive and just nice-looking to you in your eyesight? Um, I'll answer for myself first, and then I'll try to give the general. Um, for me, I've always been attracted to women, I guess, uh, of the caramel complexion or darker. Um, so for me, like, I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I've dated, you know, a light-skinned uh, female before, and I've dated white females before. Uh, but my, I guess my preference, was always, you know, at least the caramel complexion or, or darker. Um, but as far as guys in general, I, I, I don't really think that guys um, necessarily have a preference. If um, I don't think guys have a preference until they are looking for the woman that they want to be with the rest of their life. Now, I don't know if skin color plays a huge role into that. I know some, you know, some guys do like to stick to their race. Some, you know, some guys, you know, like like women. Some guys, you know, like white women. Some guys like Asian women. Or, and then, you know, the complexions do start coming in. You know, um, one friend of mine told me that he prefers uh, light-skinned women. Um, so I guess, I guess it just depends on the guy. And then... Um, and then guys, you know, women are stereotyped, and I don't, I don't know if you as women hear these conversations. Say any guys over there, sorry, I'm putting this on blast, but, but women do get stereotyped, and so you know it. Um, so guys tend, so some guys tend to think about the stereotype when they are looking for a woman for whatever reason. And you know, you know, I under I understand that to a to a degree, and I heard you say um, that you prefer the caramel caramel or darker complected, 
and 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 that's okay if that's your preference and that's your like. Here's where I think where we have that thin line. Whereas when someone says, "I prefer this because I think this this makes this person better." or more attractive right. or will get me to a certain place because there was a time where um, there, there's a play, The Talented Tenth, and I'm, I'm such a lover of that, that play. I remember the first time I, I was able to see it where this the, the person, it talks about the crab mentality, how only a tenth of us black people will make it because of the crab mentality and goes you know deep, deep embedded into those things that we come from. And this particular person in the play love with a darker complected woman in love with her however chose the lighter complected person because he felt she would get him further alone and so that's where the that's where we get into um where it becomes you know just wrong and and well, if it's your well, preference I think that's fine I I think that's totally fine to have a preference and see someone as more attractive in that matter, but again, when it, you're kind of stepping over, when people say, "Well, I think you're better," or you can get me here or there because you're a little lighter. Well, and I can say for me, I, um, mine—I don't know where it came from, so I'll just say it's natural. I don't know. I've, I've always been that way. Um, never for any particular reason. Never because I thought that I was going to gain something uh, by a particular skin uh, complexion, but. Um, that is the case. Uh, like I said, women are stereotyped, and so guys do tend to, um, you know, go for particular females. Now, um, I can get into that if you would like, um, but I don't want to take the, the, the show, of course. Uh, and you know what, Tammy? I think that's uh, – I'm so sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, you go, and I was going to tell Ronnie he can take us off a little bit. And I want to remind people, get in on this. I saw someone pop in and pop out, so if you want to select the number one, please do so because it's now out of queue, and I don't know if that person, it was from the 501. Uh, So if you do want to come in, select the number one for you callers, and for the chat line, you just type in your your response or comment questions and hit submit or send, I'm sorry, and it will come over. So questions please. We welcome them. And Val, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just wanted to say, I think that, you know, with uh, Rodney said, I very respect and understand where he's coming from with that notion of his uh, personal preference. But I think, you know, uh, like we were discussing earlier, difference between the women and men, you know, women are a lot more detail-oriented when it comes to everything in life. A man may see a belt, and to him it's just a belt. But for us, we'll see a brown belt with rhinestones, this color material, and everything of that sort. And I think because of that, I think that it causes us as, I'm just going to just keep it in within the African-American community, but it causes us as African-American women to be at war with each other as classifying that I look better than you because I am this rhinestone with this type of material and this color brown. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and in addition to what you're saying, to add to it, I like the analogy you use with uh, we, they see a belt, it's just a belt. We see that belt. We're we're already thinking in some cases that it goes with. I, I have this. It'll it'll go with this. What kind of shoes? We're putting this this entire piece together. We've turned a belt into a project, so to speak. 
and the men are just able to get that belt, move on, and, and take it on. Um, and I do feel like we as women deal with this or see this as more of an issue than probably men. However, I do remember, um, and I've had some men share with me, both light-complected and dark-complected, that they, they felt discriminated against within within their own race. Light, light-skinned men would feel like uh, dark-skinned brothers think that they thought that they were better and that the women wanted them more so. And we kind of grew up in that era. I just remember um, hearing a time that people were saying, okay, now dark-skinned brothers are in now. You know, and you just think, what? (laughs) (laughs) You know, yeah, you hear that. I don't know if y'all have heard it. Have you ever heard that, Rodney? I've heard light-skinned brothers are coming back. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I've heard that too. Now that's the newest, that's the latest. Yeah. You know, so what do we mean when we say that? What I mean, really, when you think about, you hear that, but what do we really mean when we say that? I I, uh, I, I just think that it goes back to to what we're talking about. Um, just I don't know. I mean, people people just tend to stereotype and and funny thing is I don't think that anyone um, realizes that they get caught up into this discrimination. I don't think that people realize it. Um, but as as a society we, we tend to just hop on whatever wagon is moving. Mm-hmm. And if light skinned brothers are in today, then guess what? We want a light skinned <laughs> brother. If, if dark if dark skinned guys are if if dark skinned guys are, are are in today, guess what? I want me a dark skinned guy. You know, and it, it's just I mean, think about everything that we've had. I'm sorry, go ahead. So it's like kind of everything else, huh? Like we just get in where it's, where it's, the world tells us to fit in. It is just it's just like everything else. You you know, what was it? Seventies and eighties, everybody had Jericho. You know, then it went to the. <laughs> Then it went to the box stage. You know, it, it's just the way that it is. You know, people people tend to do that, and then and they will all say, "Oh, I'm an individual." No, you're not, because you're doing what everyone else is doing. Oh no, it's because I like it, really. Because ten years ago you liked this. You know, yesterday you were with this. You know, we see it all the time in sports. Whatever team is winning, that's the team that we want. You know, we we just I don't know. But people tend to hop on. Um, whatever well, I tell you what, living. let's take a, we have two callers, so let's let's take we're gonna start bringing them in. Good, like like the questions we do, we do. So let's bring in, um, again pulling in five zero one. We're gonna identify the area code and the last four digits that you're calling from. So this is five zero one with the last four digits of two eight four four. Caller, you're on the air with us, and thank you for calling. Yes, thank you. Good evening to you all. I'm just going to make a couple quick statements, and then I'm going to continue and get back to my cooking. Um, now, <laughs> as far as the brother uh, was mentioning, you know, you mentioned where is this coming from as far as the dark brothers being in and the light complexion brother, you know, maybe coming back. I think it's derived from that old saying, the darker, the berry, the sweeter, the juice. So, and tall, dark, and handsome, all these little phrases that you hear growing up uh, from a from a young girl to a teenager and to a woman, you know, these are the type of phrases that you're hearing. But even though I 
always used to think that I prefer a dark-skinned brother, but end up falling in love with a light-skinned complexion man. Isn't that something? Okay, right. so let's ask you this. Why did you feel you preferred one? As I heard you say you ended up with the light skin. Can you t- can you elaborate more on you thought that you preferred a different different color? Was there a reason? Yes, yes, I can elaborate on it uh, simply because um, I'm I'm thinking uh, you know I've been in a relationship for a long time now. So, uh, but from growing up, I was thinking that they was I was just more attracted to a darker complexion man, not because I felt any different than as far as their qualities or their quantities or what they can and cannot do. I just felt that I was more attracted to a dark-skinned man. But, like, now as I've grown older, and this is even uh, dealing with dark dark complexion women as well as light complexion women. Okay, I'm a brown-skinned girl, okay, but you can even be around a person, and I grew up with eight boys. I'm the only girl. Okay, so you can hear, and then from just being around a variety of boys and young men growing up, you hear them, first thing they refer to as far as a girl, oh, man, look at that red bone. <laughs> you know, so you hear that, and then you get like, well, what's so special about a red bone, you know? Exactly. But, but me. Growing up and not being one-sided, had to realize that this red-boned woman, as well as this brown-skinned lady, this dark-skinned man, as well as this brown-skinned, uh, I mean, this dark-skinned man, as well as a light-complexioned man, that does not make you good or bad, because it's all about what's in your heart. So that's what keeps me balanced and so that I won't get caught up. Because I look at what a person, how genuine they are in their heart. Do that make sense to you? Makes sense. Makes sense. Questions or comments right near Val? Um, I have a question. What do you think we can do as a society of African Americans to help our community come together more, to make a stance more? Because, you know, I've been around and traveling, and I see some other cultures, and they come together, and they may not even know each other, but because they are of the same culture, they greet each other with brotherly love. Now, I've been in this situation, for instance, where I ran into another African-American. I can't say, oh, you're an African-American. How you doing? You know, and give you that. They're going to look at me like, you know, what you doing? You know, I don't know you. So what do you think we could do as a people, you know, to embrace our culture together, as you know, in union? Okay, I'm going to I'm going to come in on this and then I'm going to get off the line. Okay, this is this is my philosophy and this is my theory and this is what I practice. When you see a black person, white person, any other ethnic group person, I don't refer to them as I okay, this is the way I greet. Hello, sister. You could be white, black or whatever. I would still greet you as sister. Thank you, brother. You can be white, black, I mean Mexican or whatever, Hispanic, whatever uh, ethnic group you came from. I refer to you as my brother and my sister. Hmm. Great answer. Great answer. We'll let you go cook off of that one. Great answer. Thank you you for calling. Great comment. Definitely. And if you don't mind calling, I'm hungry. 
<laughs> no. Select the number one um, <laughs> as we let you out so that if you want to come back in, it will take you out of queue. So select the number one. We're going to pull in another caller also from 501 area code with the last four digits of 7657. Caller, thank you, and you're on the air. Hey, Tammy. Hey, Val. How y'all doing? Hey, fine. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing good, doing good. I, I was just listening in, and uh, I, I was listening in, and I, I don't think, to me, I was just listening on the on the dark skin and light skin philosophy on what people are saying. And what value that can relate was how can we as a community get better amongst us? I don't think that we have a community yet. I think we need to build a community. We have yet, as a, as a black people, have yet to build a community. We have neighborhoods, but we have no community. There's a big difference between neighborhoods and community, first. Uh, that's my philosophy on that. The other part is that we need to drop the African part. Because if you believe in God, if you believe in the Bible, and you believe that we all come from one, and if, if you look at science and they have proven it, that all origin comes from Africa. So that means everybody in America, everybody in the, in the world is African. So therefore, it does not make us synonymous with Africa. I think we have a, a tendency of having uh, mythical ancestors that we want to cling to. And that's why, we, that's why it's hard for us to identify with our, with our, our African ancestors so much. It's because we have yet to really identify because there's, there's just not us there. Because when you go to Africa... You, you, if you meet a lot of Africans, there, there are so many different shades. They got really dark ones. They got the really light ones. They got a really, they got them so many. They got something that's almost blue. So my thing would be is that for us to get to that point, we have to identify who we are as Americans, Black Americans, and then go from there. Uh, I don't think as being African American will we ever justify it because when it, the theory came about, it was during the uh, Afrocentric period. Uh, that's when it came out the uh, racial fist. We black, we proud things, and I think that kind of hindered us from identifying who we are. Because if you go back through our history and look at the Reconstruction period, we knew who we were, and we was right out of slavery. And they knew exactly who they were. They knew how to get what they needed. They knew how to be a community. And at some point, we lost that, and we need to go back and find that. We need to go back and find what, what they knew. And I think we'll be okay at that point. Now the whole black and white right thing, I was guy. I have a quick question for you, if you don't mind, before. Um, you said that we need to, to, to build a community, and then I think I heard you say just a little bit ago that we need to go back and, 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 and get that. Do you feel that we once had that sense of community um, prior? Do you think that we had it at one point in time as a people? Yes, if you look at Mount Bayou, uh, if you look at uh, Bronzeville, if you look at Rosewood, those places like that that were across from Black Wall Street, those places, Dallas, those places were communities. They, they were in a small hubs, a white area, and they built mega towns. Mm-hmm. And it's just, that's, that's, those are things that we don't hear about as, as being black Americans. We don't hear about those things, but they existed. You know, they, they actually existed. But we don't put those type of things out because for some reason our leaders want us to be, woe, uh, woe is me, right? They want us to be so... Like, like we always oppressed, like we always the victim for things. But if you go back and do the research during Reconstruction period, we had so many black communities that popped up that was prosperous. You know, it got, matter of fact, we was at a conference together, and uh, the guy from Mountain Bayou, you remember him? Uh, down, we was down in uh, um, uh, Bryan, uh, Brighton, and the guy spoke at Mountain Bayou. He was the last, he was the last speaker there. Right. Um, the mayor, the mayor, Mr. Johnson. Huh? Right, yeah. the mayor of yeah. Mountain Bayou? Yes, 
See, those places yes. like that existed. They, they existed from former slaves. We had that. And at some point, we we decided that we wanted to, to do something different and get away from that. Mm-hmm. I think if we go back and look at that and, and put that part of our history out and realize we had it, I think we can get it back. We we can get to that point again. Some of us want it. Not like the things that you're doing, things that Val doing. I mean, a lot of other people that are doing it, it's there. It's just the idea we've got to realize that it has been done and it's not out of our reach. That's my opinion. I agree. I agree. Any questions or comments, Val or Rodney? Um, here, here's what I, here's what I think, um, and, and thank you so much, uh, both callers, because um, I think that they brought out some great points. And here's what I'll say: it, it, it just appears to me that the things that were meant to help black or to help America as a whole um, turned out to to hurt us. And let's let's just deal with Let's just deal with the black race for a second. You think about it, from from my knowledge, blacks were together and had this sense of unity before we started getting all of these rights. The moment we started getting rights, all of a sudden, we started turning on each other. All of a sudden, we didn't know how to be this community anymore. We didn't know how to stick together anymore. All of a, all of a sudden, jealousy came out of this. Um just talking about each other came out of this. The whole crap mentality came out of this. The moment we started getting rights, the moment we started getting getting different freedoms, all of a sudden we lost that. And what what I think will get us back to get us back to this uh, togetherness is we have to those of us who have figured it out. We have to start making sure that our kids don't grow up with this ignorance and any other children, me being a school teacher, we have to make sure that our children don't grow up with this ignorance and not just the black children. We have to make sure that all children don't grow up with this, with this ignorance because racism, discrimination, prejudice, all of these things are being taught. So, to counter that, we have to teach what's right, and we have to show these examples. Any literature that we can find, we have to put it in front of all kids. So that way, maybe I won't see it in my lifetime. Maybe none of us will. But at some point, things will change. But until more people get get with it, and start promoting history and all of it and not just one perspective and not teaching uh, your kids or, or teaching anyone to hate a race or hate a particular color or say, well, baby, you got to do this, you got to do that. Until we start to do that, nothing is going to change. And this is Tammy, and I love, that's why I love what that last caller ended with when Val presented the question, um, and she says she sees everybody, everybody's her sister and everybody's her brother. And to add to that, you, I, I have to love me. If I'm blue, black, green, whatever, I have to like me, I have to love me before I can extend that to you before I can see the value in you I have to learn to love and like me that has just has to be a part of my life 
Otherwise, I'm always going to see something different in you or those things that I wish I had or wanted. I'm going to see that as, as I'm going to take that as a threat or or something. It's, it's going to internalize within me. And that brings, and, and I don't know if I call it needs to go, so I, I don't want to keep you on. If, if you're okay, we have oh, you no. in. Okay. I want to read this. I found this um, article in searching, doing some research for this show, and I pulled it back up, and it's the 21 harsh, harsh truths blacks don't want to hear. And, and one of them, the very first one, is your own jealousy, competitive, competitiveness, and infighting, unwillingness to support one another, and pettiness with other black people is what's keeping you from moving forward. So basically it's saying your je- jealousy, your your eagerness or willingness to compete with one another, and unwillingness to support one another. And that's one of the things I, I continue to hear that if you if you recognize other cultures will just whether they like each other or not or if they live on the same street and I think somebody said that earlier they will support they won't go out of their community in most cases to buy or to support somebody and in in our case it seems that we take more pride in being able to do that right it goes back to what you were saying so many things were fought for, like to be able to read and to be able to sit at the front of of the bus, that we take joy in now doing just the opposite. Like it's our mindset to do just the opposite. Um, to anybody who wants to comment on that, what's your thought on that first hard truth? Um, how much do we play a part of this? I know it's easy to say our leaders should do this and our society should do this, but it starts with us, especially in our homes and how we live, how our children see us living and working for what we have, and then taking pride for the things that we get. So I know it's a lot in that, but who wants to comment? Have at it. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. I, I think, and I'm going to go, I'm going to put some history in, in, in uh, parts in this. If you look at, right after the Reconstruction period, when we came out of slavery, all right, at that point, we were never truly free. It's, it's, it's all the miseducation part of it that we have to understand, uh, is that we were, we were led to believe that the war was fought for us, but it wasn't actually fought for, fought for us. Like I say, like I say let, let, let's take, for example, uh, most people think that the, uh, the proclamation was signed because we, it let us be free. That's a lie. It, it never freed us from anything. It never, it never freed one slave. The other part that we have to look at, too, is that as far as, as a home, we have to look at what part did the government play in breaking our home? And what part did the government play in actually showing us who we were not? For instance, like Sambo. One of the, one of the worst cartoons ever made was Sambo. I don't, I don't know if y'all remember Sambo. Sambo was a little black kid that jumped in the tub, his mom was scrubbing on the scrub board, and the water turned black. Then he went out and then line ate him. I don't know if you remember that story. There's a cartoon about that. That cartoon was so widespread that it went to Japan. The people in Japan thought black people was actually like that. See, it's all those small things. Then it turned around. What happened after that, after that period, not only did that, I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember a song uh, back in the days, and, and you probably don't, you, it was way before our time. It's called Ha Ha, Nigga, uh, Stop Eating Your Water, Stop, stop Eating Your Watermelon, Stop Eating your, your Ice Cream and Come Get Your Watermelon. It was, uh, it was released on Epic Records. I heard it. It's all things that, that, that put it in our minds 
And then also, then you, I don't remember if you remember the color code where they used to have a fingernail test to see how black you were in order to get a job. Or the black codes that came out right after, right after Reconstruction period, which is uh, pretty much still in law now, uh, right before Jim Crow. See, it's those things that allowed us to fight each other because we 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 still in survival mode. We never we never progressed to the to the next phase. We still trying to survive. If you look at most of our community, we're still trying to survive. We haven't figured out how to stop surviving. That's why so many of us like to play the victim because it's easier. Because if you think about it, if we didn't have racism as a people, what do we really have as a group? We have nothing. Most of us have nothing. That's the only thing we, most of us have to, have to cling to is racism. We say, well, the white man kept me down. Well, the white man kept me from getting his job. But if you take away the racism, I'm just an average person. They have to stand on my own. They have to put my own bootstrap, like Booker T. Washington said, and go out and get what I need to get. So that alone, we've just been being in, I would say, uh, um, in that mode, in that frame mind, and you just trying to, you know, you trying to scrounge and pull and, and, and take whatever you can. And then on top of that, you show, you see all these videos going on where you know you're taking all, all the black girls and all you see is all these light skinny girls. This stuff play on your mind a lot. As, as a man, as being coming up, now, that's all I heard it was light-skinned girl. You get a light-skinned girl, you you got it going on. Wow. There you yeah. go. Now, we get you know, that. And I, you, I, I, and you grew up in that I, I, era I, I, hearing I, I, that. I, 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 you grew up. Now, where did you where did you grow up? What area, if you want to mind telling us? I grew up in Arkansas. Okay. I grew up, I grew up in a town where, where you knew where you, was, you knew where you could not move to. I grew up in a town where you cross the track, you know what part of town you were in. See, that's why and I grew up give there. us your estimated I mean, age, if you don't mind, or your age, if you don't mind. What about I'm how old are years, you? I'm forty. I'm forty, 40. years old. Okay. Okay. See, I, I, see, I still remember the Klan. <laughs> you know, I still, I, I know people that was in the Klan. Okay. See, it's those type of things that, that we have to realize that it goes deeper than just us. But is what part does the outside force play? And then, at what point do we, as a group, say, "That's enough. I'm tired of y'all. Right. Let us right. do it to us." Because it's up to us as a group to, like you said, it's up to us to solve our issues. But we keep on going back to other people to solve our issues. We keep on going back to the factory that oppressed us. But you keep on going back to everybody else. But we never ask ourselves, "How do we solve this issue?" That's what I think I like about your show. And ask that question: How do we solve it? What are we going to do? Because mm-hmm. it puts the burden on us. And none of our leaders recently have even addressed it. You look at Farrakhan, Jesse Jackson, you look at Al Sharpton, there's nothing you really can say they actually prospered the black community. And then NAACP, you see a lot of job, uh, no, job bonus, but nobody's a black, addressing the black issue. They want to say, well, if you're gay, then this is the same thing as the black thing. It's the same thing as being black. You know, if, you, if you're a woman and you're a feminist, that's the black struggle. They, they always put everybody's struggle with our struggle, but nobody's addressing us. We don't address up. So at some point, we got to stop and say, hey, get out. We, we can't deal with you right now. Let me deal with us. And then once we get us straight, then we can then we can include you, like Malcolm X said. But we got to take care of us first. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Rodney, anything? Well, um, I, think, I, think that, I think one thing that we have to remember, too, um, after being enslaved, once the Civil War was over, blacks didn't have a whole lot. Um, 
things started to things things started to to change for us and, and started to progress. I think in in some places, but overall, we have to remember we didn't we we didn't have anything to begin with. So, although the civil rights uh, the the Civil War uh, supposedly ended slavery, it didn't matter because. Blacks didn't have anything. Blacks didn't have any money. Blacks didn't own any businesses. Blacks didn't have any tools or anything like that. So, and, you know, so because of that, who did we have to rely on? Who did we still have to go back to? Who did we still have to answer to? And I love what the caller just said about the government, because I think the government is behind all of this. I think that the government makes sure that, we stay divided. If you, you know, I remember the, the, the last two presidential elections. I saw so much hatred on Facebook because if you're a Republican, you were just hardcore Republican and, and calling, you know, Barack Obama so many names. If you were Democrat, it was, you know, it was the same thing against the Republicans. And it's like, wait a minute. It doesn't matter what you say as a Republican. It doesn't matter what I say as a Democrat. It's them against us. It's a lot of times we hear about uh, unemployment. I don't think any politician is affected by unemployment. I don't think that their families are affected by unemployment. We hear about these healthcare uh, about healthcare. I guarantee you, their their families aren't. aren't uh, fighting for health care their, their, their children are, are getting the best education But yet we're, we're all in this struggle together No matter what color you are No matter what gender you are But yet the government keeps us hating each other The government keeps I believe I can't prove this But the government, to me, the government is the, is the one making sure that there's crime. Because guess what? If you get if you if you get rid of crime, now that just wipes out the judicial system. If we could just live in a perfect world and there's no crime, if there are no drugs, there are no guns, there's no prostitution. Now we're we're supposed to be so powerful, but we can't stop these things. I I I, I just don't buy it. And I believe that the government is behind most of this. If you think about it, these terminal illnesses, do, uh, do they have a cure? And just not telling us about it. Because if they absolutely. do, what happens to the I, medical I, field? Rodney, i got to jump in. I absolutely agree with you. And I, I, I keep hearing, and I, I I'll just never forget hearing, um, and I don't remember what show it was, that the system is not broken, it was built this way. And if it wasn't built this way, it has certainly been reconstructed and designed this way for for now and the future. And if we as a people, and I'm not talking black, white, blue, green, brown, whatever, if we as a whole, as a people, don't wake up, we're going to find ourselves in something more than we ever could imagine if we as a people, because we think that the things that, okay, because we may be here and someone else may be on the other side of the track or whatever, that it may not affect us. It may not trigger down to us. And it's not it's not broken. It is being designed. If it didn't start out this way, certainly now it is being designed this way. The, the, the foundation of the United States is, uh, of America, is 
corrupt. You think about it, everything that we hated, everything that we hated about, and I'm just saying we meaning, you know, Americans, hated about Great Britain's rule here before there was a United States. Everything that we hated, guess what? As soon as we defeated Great Britain and this became the United States of America, what did our government do? The same thing to the citizens that Great Britain was doing to us before we took control. Doing the same exact thing. These ridiculous taxes. Mm. Keeping people in bondage. Val, did you have a comment? And then we have another caller. Val, I think you were going to say something. Oh, yeah, I just, uh, Rodney actually answered my question with, um, if I had a question, uh, did anyone think that the system was designed to keep us bound? But uh, what this makes me think of is the terminology that we use in between nigger or nigger, however you want to say it, and African-American. To me, when you use the term nigger, nigger, once upon a time in life, that was considered as a derogatory term. If you said that word around some of the people of our history, you're bound to get slapped in your mouth. But today, if you say it, children, parents, everybody, we're calling each other that. And it seemed like it's nothing. You know, for everything that everybody fought for and everything they had to go through, to use this terminology now is nothing for anyone. So one of my questions is, uh, anyone can answer this. Uh, I remember Rodney mentoring, uh, mentioning the fact of we came from uh, not having anything. So do you think the lack of us not having in the past and of getting some now created this pride of life against our own people as far as, you know, distinguishing who was better than the other because they did come up from the bottom, as we say now. Um, I do. And, um, I think that because we, first of all, let me, let, let me go back. And, and we, we talked about this. Um, I think a while back, and I think one of you mentioned it tonight, the, the whole Willie Lynch letter. And, again, we don't we don't get into whether or not it's real or not, but if you think about the actual letter itself and, and if you read it, there's a lot to this letter that makes sense today. And one of the things, one of the biggest things in this letter is play them against each other, the tall against the short the light skin against the dark skin, the old against the young, the men against the women. And if you look at the issues that we have, guess what? You got the older generation bad-mouthing the younger generation. You got the younger generation mad at the older generation. There's a huge gap there. Uh, there there's a huge disconnect between men and women. Um, just so many problems there and, and, and I think when it comes to um, when it comes to black people I think that we have um, we have a messed up in our minds and we're confused about what really is a nice thing and so I remember hearing this growing up um, you know I want my kids to have XYZ because I didn't have nice things that's fine. You, you should work to, to make sure that your children have a better life, but it doesn't mean that you have to go out and buy your children a $500 cell phone. You don't have to go out and buy your children a pair of $200 shoes, especially when your rent is only $100 because you're on Section 8. You don't have to go out and do those things. You don't have to have a Lexus parked in front of the 
your, 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 your house and the project. You don't have to do those things. And, but we, so for some reason, feel like, oh, if, if, if because I think it, I think it goes back to um, what we see on TV. I think the media has done well when it comes to robbing people. When, when, our, when our children look on TV, what do they see? Starting back from, from when I was growing up, and, and Val, I think I heard you say you, you, um, you were 27, so you and I are close in age. All, all, all that was on TV was you saw these, these fancy cars, you saw these girls who were pretty much naked in these videos, uh, these rap videos, you know, that's what you saw. And so children just, oh, man, I want that life. I want that life. You know, I want that girl. And so, you know, you don't have to go to school. You don't have to go to college. You don't have to graduate from high school because these guys are rapping. Oh, here's what I did. You know, I was, I, I was selling this. Oh, I did this. Yeah, I was picking people up. And so our kids got that in, 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 their, in their minds. And, and we let them go there. See, see that, this is Tammy, and before, let, I want to jump in, and then we're going to take our caller. Uh, we still have 501-7657 in, in queue. Are you okay there? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm okay. just going to conversation. Okay. How much of this, see, because as I hear you say, you know, of, of course, there are the things on the TV, and, and, yes, we don't have to go out and, and should not go out and buy our, our children these, these $500 cell phones and all this it just it's it's too it's too much. When that's where where I want to talk about the responsibility. And you guys may think that we're off course here, but we're not because all of these things tie into how one feels when someone walks in the door and you are judged by them based on what you see, not what you know, whether it's clothes, again, skin color, whatever, or vice versa. So it's it's deeper and and again that's why we need to talk about things like this because it's more than what you see on the surface there's a reason that happens there's a reason you feel some kind of way when you see a dark complected or a light complected or a white person there is a reason you feel less than or not equal to or some kind of way whatever it is for you there's a reason and the the point of this Tonight's show is for you to find out what that reason is for you and deal with it. Don't buy into society. Don't buy your children every time they, they want something that they don't really need because what you're doing is setting them up. They see value. Their personal value and worth is based on what they have, not who they are So and not what exactly. they stand for. So let's bring another caller in from 901 area code with the last four digits of 0668. Caller, you're on the air with us. Yes, I think I'm off. I I cut off, didn't I? You don't have a comment or a question? Yes. I want to know who's Rodney. Tell him <laughs> I, I agree with him 100%. 100%. How old are you? How old are you? It's, it's, how I'm old sorry, are you? You're 48. You no, sound no, no, like no. I, I, I didn't hear the question. What did you say? No, no. He, she, she wants to know how old are you? I'm 31. <laughs> well, you've been here before. You're living in somebody else's body. 
You are very knowledgeable, and what you are saying is 100% true. And I hear you on the show quite often, and I get a joy just listening at you because you make sense of everything you say. Well, thank you so, so much. <laughs> yes, maybe I'll meet you one day. Yes, ma'am. But yes, you, ma'am. Are, you are 100% true. You are 100% right. Every, everything you say, people need to stop and listen because you are, you are very knowledgeable in what you are saying. And well, all I got to so say much. is this. When we was growing up, the young man called said something about the neighborhood. We got to find, we got to get back to that. We had, we had a neighborhood once. I'm going to tell you this little story, and then I'm going to let you all go, and I'm going to listen to the rest of the show. When I was about eight years old, I heard my, we took care of people in the neighborhood. If you didn't have, we had, you had. You didn't have to go out and steal and kill. I remember when this family was down the streets, and I was eight years old, and I heard my grandfather. He came in, and he got all the neighborhood men together. He said, I'm not, well, I'm going to call his name because all of them did. Now, he said, Mr. Leonard is not taking care of his family. He's sitting down there. He's not working. He's either going to take care of them or he's going to leave the neighborhood and leave the children here and the wife and we're going to take care of them. You better believe Mr. Leonard start taking care of his children because the neighborhood will not let nobody stay in the neighborhood and not and be hungry and run the family being taken care of. They didn't go out and talk about the family and say they don't have See, that's where it starts at. It starts with family. The basic is family if you want to be a good neighborhood. So you keep the good work up, young man. And I'm going to go and let y'all finish, and I'm going to listen to the rest of the show. Okay, thank you for calling. And select the number one so that you can go back out. Okay, select the number one again. Okay. Okay, thank you. Okay, we have a few comments in the chat line as well. Let me get a few of those out. Um, Tally012, that is very true. Our role is huge in changing the mentality of our culture. Um, She gives us a link, and I I believe this is about the doll uh, kind of scenario that they give or exercise. I don't know what you'd really call it, but I think that's what this one is about. I actually have that to add where, and many of you may have heard or seen this, where they group a number of children um, and do an experiment to where they have a white doll and a and a black doll, and, and all but two on the one that I was able to see uh, preferred the white doll of, of, you know, out of all those. So I think that's what that one is about, and there's a link about that on YouTube that you can watch. Are we still on? Hello? Rodney, are you still Hello? here? Hi, Hello? I'm still here. I don't, I don't know what happened. Uh, Tammy must have gotten cut off uh, some kind of way, but I'm still here. Are uh, you still with me? Yeah, Val, you still there? I'm still here. All right, Tammy must have gotten cut off, so we'll, we'll, we'll just keep on going until until uh, she comes back in. Um uh, Carla, did you have anything? Uh, because I'm going to I'm going to bring up uh, some 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 things uh, that I hinted at earlier, but I said you know maybe maybe not. Uh, but Carla or Val, do you have anything before we um, continue? 
I, I want to add one thing is, is that we as as a people have to begin to go back and realize what we had. Uh, see, we have not progressed since Reconstruction. See, people have not. See, what, what a lot of people do is they they talk a lot, but they don't do their research. We are in the same position, actually worse than we were right before Reconstruction period. And Reconstruction was our biggest boom in an economic time for, for what we call black people, colored people. If we can get back to that point and realize what they realized, we'd be better off. See, even though mm-hmm. we have better jobs, our economic status hasn't changed none. Our political status hasn't changed none. See, we need to get back to that point. And once people start doing the research and start realizing what was actually done during that period, their, their eyes will begin to open up and realize why we had the situation we had because that was the most important period in black American time. Uh, I, I agree with that. Uh, Sammy, are you back with us? Okay, Val, did you want to go ahead and jump in here real quick? Um, yeah, sure. Um, I, was, I just want to touch back bases again on the, uh, the terminology, and I know that the term of nigger and, and nigger is, is just a term, but to me it's a matter of respect, too. So my question will be to the callers uh, as well as to you, Rodney, is when do you feel that we got away from acknowledging the power that was within that word? And the amount of disrespect that's that's come within that word, because I know that you notice as an uh, African American male, if another African American male says that terminology to another, it's okay. But if someone from a different race says it, it's automatically offensive. You know, why is it okay for us to describe each other as nigger or versus my brother or sister or my African American brother or sister versus using that terminology of, of nigger? Well, um, I don't know if you've had a chance to read my book yet, but um, um, I started laughing to myself when you first brought that up because this is actually um, the first chapter of my book, Tired of Being Black, and I address the fact that um, the the N-word is, is so popular in our world today, especially um, with black people. Black people use that word uh, so loosely and so freely, and then we... Um, justify why we use that word, which we have no business using that word because when our ancestors were called that word, they were they, they were beaten, they were hung, they were spit on, you know, you name it. Our, it, it happened to our ancestors along with being called that word. And then we took that word and made it a personal greeting. And it's okay. But then, you know, when you hear any other race using that word who don't necessarily fit into our group, because white people actually get to use the word too. It just depends. Are you one of the, are you one of the cool kids? Are you one of the cool guys, the cool girls? Then you can, hey, you can use that word, that, that word too. I was in New York City from August of uh, 2013 until uh, the end of January this year. And you wouldn't believe the number of uh, Hispanics using that word. It was, I mean, it was just, you know, it was almost like using a noun or a verb. I mean, it was just that popular, you know. Wow. But, but here's, here's what I think. I think um, the more we started to get right, I think that we got away from um, 
I think we got away from the unity that we had. I think we got away from, from the closeness, from the togetherness that we had. But it was still there. But as our civil rights leaders started to started to pass away or, you know, um, get sick and, you know, couldn't could no longer fight like they were, um, we just saw a we just saw a shift. I mean, the, the, you know, you think about it, we don't have a Martin Luther King today. We have people who call themselves activists. We have people who call themselves civil rights leaders. But what are they doing? You know? Right. For exactly, me, and, and that makes just, you question why well, they aren't sorry. fighting. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I'm you know, sorry. That, to me that just makes me pose the question of why aren't we fighting anymore? What happened in between then and now that's made – are people so comfortable to where no one is fighting like how they used to? You know, when did well, it stop being important to fight for who you are? Well, here's what I think. I think that because we have enough people, uh, because there, there are enough people who are not white because the white race, because of everything that has happened, um, we look at the white race and like, oh, they get everything. So now it's, okay, we see a few black people become celebrities or get rich, and we think, oh, you know, everything's okay. You know, we, we have this, we have Michael Jordan, you know, we have Bill Cosby, you know, we have these comedians. And so we think that, oh, well, you know, I don't have to do anything. Or I see a lot of people play the race card. You know, we've gotten comfortable uh, like this, like this older gentleman I used to work with used to say, we're like dying people on morphine. We're suffering and don't even realize that we're suffering. We're just doing it in comfort. Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, um, I think that's where we uh, got to. Um, I believe that Tammy's back on with us. So, Tammy? Yes, I'm back on. I'm listening. I, I lost connection. Don't know what happened, but I'm I'm back on. So thank you all for carrying it on. Okay. <laughs> Um, but but I just think that um, that that's what I think, you know, where where we've lost it, and you know, and to us, we think, and again, this is what it is projected. This is what we see. We think that just because we can go out and doesn't mean that we can afford it, but if we can go out and buy a Lexus or a Mercedes, um, if someone will let us have that, if someone will give us a credit card, if someone you know, if we can go and buy a flat screen, as long as we can keep up with the Joneses, we feel like, hey, we've made it. We've made it. We've we made we, it. we feel like for some reason, all of a sudden, our problems went away. Just like our caller said earlier, you know, we think that the civil rights ended something. Not necessarily, you know, the, the, these documents, they didn't mean anything. Because what we see now is a slave mentality. What we see now is people living in bondage. We see people go to church every Sunday, right? And you see them hollering, you see them screaming, you see them falling out, running around the church, dancing and everything else. It's like, oh, snap, like they just got a major breakthrough. And then the next Sunday they're down and depressed again. And then the next Sunday they're down and depressed again. And we're like, well, wait a minute. But you were freed a long time ago. But they keep having the same issues because we're not really getting free. It's like Frederick Douglass said, it's free without progress. What's the point? 
you, you free, but you are still where you are mentally. And and see, when I think about that when I think about Frederick Douglass, and I think about you know even with saying we had nothing. When I hear of people who had some nothing but something within that says, "Oh no, not me." And and that's what people are seeming to miss because they put so much value in the TV and the Rams and, and all this. You guys kid you not, and I don't mean to say this to be funny. While I was in Texas and in, in Frisco, you know, I'm riding around and, and, and it's just, I'm just admiring the place and it's clean and da-da-da-da. And all of a sudden I ride up behind this car that sat up so far off the ground. It was a hot pink, purple-looking color. And instantly, you know what I knew? I knew that I was going to go around, and call it what you want, but I knew that I was going to go around and what color was going to be in there. Seriously, I, I mean, I knew. I mean, the car was like, you got to, I mean, purple, pink, and I, I know that they, there are other races that, that do the big tires on the trucks, but I see, a, I saw a Cadillac, like a, a year, like 2013, with these kind of wheels on it. Seriously, what, what, what are you going to do? You can't even turn your car. To drive, you gotta slow down so so much so. Like the things that we put value in, it's like let me show you what I have. Let me show you what I can buy. Let me show you the credit card they gave me. Let me show you the house, not how I got it, and and that makes me successful. You know, even with the the young man who came here, who is now starring in the the movie um, Think Like a Man too. I don't know his name. But he came here, and I wish I, I was just angered. I was angry about the number of people that showed up to support him in the middle of the day. But the school cannot get you to show up for PTO, PTA, for your child failing in school. <laughs> for the most part, you won't show up for that. And then to find out you got three, four hundred people lined up for ninety-seven barbecue sandwiches when he could have bought the he could have bought the city and gave everybody a barbecue sandwich. Let's keep it real, but we go out and support people right. who will do nothing for this community who's here only because he wants you to pay $10 to go see his movie that he's going to make millions out of and then will not come back and buy everybody a sandwich that stood in the line. You you go out and support people who got enough money to buy the barbecue stand that you're going to stand outside for hours and he's going to only give 97 sandwiches? Seriously. You preach. But we won't go to the school? You know where they came from, right? You know where the whole thing came from? You know, that's, I don't that's know. the whole civil rights movement with, with, with in a nutshell. Well, I know, well, again, free without progress. That mindset right. is still the same. Yep, I agree. Because you have, I have a responsibility of what I buy in my house. For my child, I I have control over that. I have control whether I let you watch Atlanta Housewives or something that's going to teach you, or we're going to sit down and I'm going to teach you some moral values and ethics. I have control over that. So when I send you to school, you already know who you are. You already know about your value and your you know what you're going to go for. But if I don't teach you, how can I expect the next person to teach you and for you to be willing to learn? if I don't show you that that's important in this house. So my point is, where is the responsibility for for you to like who you are and make sure that your children like who they are so they are not offended when someone comes along and looks a little better, whether they're light-skinned, dark-skinned, white, black, or whatever. That has something to do with us internally. And whether it comes from slavery 
or not. There are people who come from slavery who feel just, who are dark-skinned, light-skinned, and have that moral, have those morals, values, and ethics, and there are people that came from it that don't. And I, I guess my question is, when does it become a choice? When do you become responsible for your choice and how you love yourself or if you love yourself and how you see others? When does it become a choice that you take control over? Uh, I think personally, it's a choice automatically. It's just, it's just an automatic thing. Is it, okay, um, back in the days, I'm going to go back to what, what Roddy was talking about, is people going to church. Back in the days, that was actually a profession. That was the most popular profession we had, was being a preacher. You know, we we was the one going around with the Bible in hand, you know, preaching about this, this, and that, and then we was repeating what the slave master was saying. So we never we never really caught on to our own spirituality at any point. And so recently we've just begun to realize that, hold on, something wasn't right. Some of these preachers are not quite right. So our spirituality side of it, and we keep on, we, we haven't gotten gotten into God in this yet. See, God said we must have we must not conform to the world. We must have a transformed mind. And we have yet to transform our mind into the things that, that are not. We keep on trying to conform to the world. And see, the civil rights movement, did more damage to me than it did good. Because it, uh, Michael Mix was speaking on this. See, we was out there trying to be something that was not meant for us. And at the same time, we couldn't even afford what they was, uh, what, we, what we were fighting for. How are you going to tell me to go sit at a lunch counter to eat with you and I can't afford the coffee after you hit me across the head? That, that, was like, that was like, that was kind of backwards. And that's what Michael Mix was saying, is that we, we should have been fighting for economics. Because if you look at doing reconstruction, that's what they fought for. They fought for that. See, the whole uh, um, simple but equal thing that was started by black people. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a white thing. It wasn't a white thing. The, the people that formed Mounds Bayou actually signed it into law. They didn't want to allow that to go into law. See, so we have to go back to those things and realize what did we do, and what was good for us, and then go back and realize it, it's our responsibility. This is nobody's fault. It was. It wasn't racism. They, 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 they killed 500 black kids down the street. It wasn't racism because I got I got rims on, on, on I got rims on my on, on my car and I can't go pay my bills tomorrow. It had nothing to do with racism. That was a right. personal choice. Right. That was a personal choice. And I think that black people, we are the the the, the world we race. We want to be so oppressed and victimized so much. We use that as a crutch. We use that as a crutch, and I think we need to get get rid of that. I think what needs to happen is we get this big old giant Walmart card. They said white they should say I'm sorry and have every white person sign it and take it to every black house and let them see that the white people say they're sorry and let us so we can move on. <laughs> and then then let's see what we really can do. Let's see what we really can do at that point. This is my opinion. I like it. Worth a try. Nothing else has seemed to work. <laughs> uh, uh, well, <laughs> I would I, I would I would love to see that happen, but to be honest, I don't think <laughs> I think that there would still be some people uh, who would would hold a grudge. And here's here here's my take on here's my take on racism uh, in 2014. I think that racism is still very much alive. Um, the only problem is now where it used to be just, you know, as we know it, um, just 
just white people. Now everyone has gotten involved. Uh, every race, every ethnicity has gotten involved and has decided to teach their children to be racist because, you know, I don't know if you all have seen these, um, these quotes or these pictures. You know, two-year-olds are only concerned about, you know, snack time and nap. That's the only thing they're concerned about. So in order for you to grow up and, and discriminate against someone else or you to grow up and you to hate yourself or to hate, you know, a particular color or anything, a lot of times those things have to be taught. And I'm going to go back to, to, to something, uh, Tammy, if you don't mind. Um, I, I mentioned this earlier, um, and I said that, you know, I was going to uh, possibly. But here's the way that it was when I, when I was growing up. And for all of you listening, I grew up in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, but here's, here's the way it was. I was probably the most racist person I've ever met in my life. I had no use for white people, didn't want to be bothered with white people, didn't like white people. I was, I was racist because of the things that I saw and because of the things that I heard. Not that white people were, were doing mean things to me, but what I saw on TV what I heard on the radio, what I heard in my neighborhood, what I heard when I went to school with the other kids, it was, it, it just overtook me. Like, oh, like, something's wrong with these people. Like, I got a problem with them. And so I was taught, I was taught that you did not cross the line and go and date a white one. Because the way that we were taught, white women were only good for oral sex. White women were the, the type, of man, uh, type of women that would take care of their men. Uh, they would cook for you. They would clean for you. So basically, you know, if you were to go and date a white woman, you better be going because you're using her or taking advantage of her. And as far as the dark-skinned woman, if you think about the minstrel shows, if you think about the cartoons from a long time ago, the characters were always these crispy black people, right? The women were, like, just black. And, and they were made to be ugly. These things were degrading. And so no one wanted a dark skin one because what, what you saw was like, ugh, you know, because that's what was presented to us. And so you knew, hey, you can't go and get a white woman because, you know, that's going to be frowned upon because we don't associate with white people. But you can't go get a dark-skinned woman either because look at how they look, you know, on these cartoons, on, the, on these mystery shows, on these TV. Look at how they look. So where are you going? Oh, light-skinned woman. That's just my take on it. And a little bit about me and my history and how I grew up. So glad that I've been transformed, and I love everyone. But I can tell you growing up, I was very racist. And Michael Jordan even came out and said he was racist growing up. So it takes for us to be honest and acknowledge, hey, I have a problem, and I need help with my problem. Because these, 
this problem isn't as difficult to fix as we think it is. It's only difficult because we make it difficult. But right. the same, there's a thin line between everything, between being racist and non-racist. There's a thin line there. All you got to do is cross over. If you want to, you can. Right. Val, you're quiet on that end. We want to make sure we get you in. You got any any comments, questions? Oh, definitely. I definitely was taking in uh, everything that Rodney said, and um, um, I also have heard myself, uh, I could be wrong, but um, I've heard of a lot of African-American men mention um, the benefits, I'm going to say, of being with a white woman versus being with an African-American woman. It seemed that to be with a white woman, you had more benefits as far as more opportunity because of the people that she networked with. She was... um, more so associated with people who could get you into the higher places, if you want to say it like that, which also uh, brings me to my question for you, Tammy, because you are a woman. Now, uh, I'm sure you have experienced this in your life too, the discrimination of the woman against the woman. Do you think that this idea set for this white woman and who she is and who she stands for in an African-American eyesight uh, African-American male, should I say, eyesight, do you think that kind of caused a war to conflict with us as sisters? Because I've noticed that, um, you know, when I go around other African-American women, not all, but some that I have ran into, like you uh, spoke of earlier in the beginning of the show, there was a discrimination for whatever reason, whether it had been because of the way I looked or the shoes that I had on or anything of the sort. But do you think that played a part in us having this conflict with each other? Absolutely, I do. I, I feel that we, as, as women, um, again, like you mentioned about the belt earlier, how we, the men will pick a belt and it's just a belt, we pick it and it's, it's totally something else. We're, we're dressing it up and so forth. We're in such a competitive state um, for so many reasons. And, and the, the number one reason is, I'm saying again, internal, that we're not comfortable with who we are we've been rejected so much so in most cases um until every other woman is competition for the things and in the way for the things that we want whether it be that man that job so forth and if and if that woman is in our eyesight looks a little better dresses a little better whatever then that pushes us that far that much farther down the line now as it, as it relates to the white woman and a black woman, there's this, this stereotype, and I think we touched on that a little bit earlier about the stereotype of, of a black woman, so to speak, and the, how we different, uh, the difference in between the white woman and the black woman, you know, being easier to get along with, less confrontational and so much so. And that is just not true. There, now, there are some things, we're probably a little bit more verbal, but I I I feel and and what I've seen I have white friends I have black friends not all white women are going to put up with your stuff as a man and and that used to be the thing where um it, it people would say well white women you know they let the man get away with whatever and they take whatever um that's kind of where around now. I think all women are, are putting up with anything everything just to, for the sake of having a man black white blue not the majority, I won't say, I'm not saying um, all women, but the majority of women is not based on color. However, with your question is, yes, I do feel like the stereotypes that have, have been set before us, the things that we see when we when we feel like black men are choosing 
white women because they're lighter complected, straight hair, whatever, then add all the other stuff to it. Yes, it sets up, you know, to say that it doesn't make you feel some kind of way, I'd be lying. Went through that. But I, I would tell you guys, the less I learn, the, the more I learn about me and the more I grow and become, learn to love Tammy, it don't matter to me what someone else looks like, who, what they have, who she is, where she come from, regardless of the color. It, do, it really does not matter. Because there's always going to be someone that looks better, someone that has more. And if I continue to be offended or feel some kind of way about that, I'm never going to live my life. I'm never going to be happy and embrace life. There's always going to be. And if pretty was it, if color was it, and money was it, and things was it, then you guys, wouldn't all the people that we see on TV with all that stuff, wouldn't they just be happier people? Wouldn't they be able to survive with all that money and and grow old with someone and have babies and live forever? Wouldn't it just wouldn't all that just be glory and and great? It's not because again, they don't love who they are, whether they're light, white, bright, black, they don't know who they are and don't love who they are. And that's what it's about to me. If you don't like someone because of the color of their skin or what they have, guess what? You're the problem. Not them. Regardless of That's where you came point. from, slavery or what, you're the problem, not them. That's a great point. And um, if I may, I, I, w- I, I would like to answer the question as well, if that's okay uh, with you, ladies. Sure. Go ahead. Um, I remember being um, an insecure um uh, boy and man, um, for a very long time, I wanted to um, be a muscular guy for a long time. And it was because that's who the girls went after. They went after, you know, the diesel guys, you know. Uh, that was one way of putting it. Or, you know, just the, you know, muscular guys. And so when I saw that, it's like, oh, I want the girls too, you know. And it never worked out for me. I would go and start lifting weights. I would do it for about a week or so, and then I would stop doing it, wouldn't do it again until, you know, six months later. I was very small. Um, I was, I think uh, when I left Norfolk and moved to the D.C. area back in 2008, I was only 155 pounds. And so, like, I wasn't that guy that stood out. I wasn't that that guy that, like, females were like, oh, hey, like, I want that guy, you know, because of, you know, the way that I look because of my size. And so I wanted that. I went after that. You know, I wanted, like, oh, like, I I just need to be big. I need to be big. And eventually I got to a point I said, you know what, let me stop fooling myself. I don't lift weights. Like this is this is not what I do. I don't, you know, I'm not one of these people. I'm I'm not about to go run a 5K every weekend. I'm not about to, you know, do these things. And I got to a point where I was okay with me. I got to a point where I was comfortable with me. And I mean, now I've gained I think 35 pounds in the last few years. But I had to get to a point where I was okay with me. But 
for me, the answer to that question is I did it because, you know, I was that way or I had that that thought or I had that mentality because I saw women going after guys who were muscular. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Anything, Val? And I, I think um, our caller is also. Anything, Val, on that? Val? Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. My, <laughs> my phone connection. Sorry, we're going through a little storm down here, so my phone and the Sprint connection isn't really uh, working okay. so well. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I definitely uh, agree with uh, what Rodney said, and it, it makes uh, – a big difference, like you said, how he started off. He, you know, he wanted one thing, and you know, and uh, I think that the mentality, like you said, it makes a it makes a big difference as far as uh, your personal preference. And I hate that that causes such a strong effect on who we are as a people because it don't seem to be affecting anyone else like that, like how it's uh, affecting us, you know. So. Um, with that being said, Ronnie, you really touch bases on everything, and I really can't say but yes and amen to everything that you said. But, you know, um, as a youth, I would like to say that uh, I kind of believe and want to believe that if we start with the elders, as y'all say, you know, within the home, that the structure of this design that was designed to keep us in bondage will make a difference in the up-and-coming. You know, because the seed has to start somewhere. And I don't know too many seeds that's been a plant immediately. It always starts as a seed on the ground. You got to think about everything you have to come through before you actually come to the top of the ground. You know, you're a seed that's planted in dirt. God forbid there are some rocks on top of you. All this land that has to be tilted, all this watering that has to be done in order for the seed to grow, you know, within us as a people. And that's why I say it starts with our elders because it's within our elders that that structure is based, in my personal opinion. See, I, I agree. I just feel that the elders are not, the, to me, in, in, in many cases, the elders want to continue to be a part of this young world and be even more conformed. And it used to be where it got to a point where we were being taught, not just through words, but through action as well, how to do this life. Put God first, number one. Um, treat people right. Love your all that. But now you have everybody like in the same pot. You can you can hardly dif- differentiate between grandmama and and grandchild, mother, and so forth. There's no one willing to stop and 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 be active in their perspective role and make sure that they they carry out that. You know, not when I was 21, I didn't think about hey, I I got this child here, I'm somebody's mother. But now I think about, you know, mother turns into grandmother, great-grandmother. That means I'm going to be somebody's mother for the rest of my life. But I didn't think about that at 21. But because of God's grace and mercy, wisdom, and my wanting different for my lifeline, my wanting change to start here, Regardless of where where I came from or how it was, I want better. And we don't we're not in a in a mindset to want better. And better not meaning a bigger car, a bigger house, and all those things. The the every new phone that comes out every three four months. 
that's what that we're teaching our kids that better is. The next the next most popular thing makes you somebody. Regardless of who you are, how you feel inside, if you have something, if you have what everybody else has, then you're okay now. And so now everybody's competing against everybody and the world. The world is telling us what to compete for, when, how. It's like Rodney said, you know, it's just if black black men are in, then, hey, black men are in. You know, we all talk about, we've not touched on this, but think about the, the athletes who so-called make it, and the majority of them are with white women, in my opinion, the majority of them. And I often wonder, would you want him if he had not per se made it? Are they chasing love or what that man now, that black man, can give them? It's a fair question. And I'm telling you, I've thought it many times, thinking now. I look at someone and think, wow. And I ask, I ask that question. So will I ever get an answer? Absolutely not. And is it possible that some of them meet and do fall in love? Absolutely so. Do I think that's the case in every scenario? Absolutely not. So the thing has reversed. Everybody's just chasing stuff and things, and no matter how I have to get it, as long as I can get it, I'm good. I'm good. As long as I look like I have it and I have enough money to buy what I want, when I want, and play this role, I'm good. And that includes grandmamas, great-grandmamas, and every, everybody just seems to be falling, falling and con you know, just conforming to the patterns of this world by any means necessary. Y'all are so quiet. <laughs> I was just taking it all in here. <laughs> no, well, let's but go I, to the I, chat line. I, I think uh, we have our, our one of our just faithful supporters talking to us in the chat, so I'm going to go and read what she's saying, and maybe you guys can, can get your thoughts together because you guys are quiet. <laughs> Um, Gosh, let me see Where do I start here Um, Bondage is so real It starts in our minds Fills our hearts and takes over our actions It's time to free our minds So that we can change our hearts And allow the manifestation of greatness To occur Yes, we are conforming to the world Salt and light You are the salt of the earth But if the salt loses its saltness How can it be made salty again it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Um, and this is still tally zero one two. A heel cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. Now, she said a mouthful. There's, there, that's another thing. We're not set out to bring glory to God. It's to ourselves. We want to be, we want to be the light of the hour. We want to bring, bring glory to ourselves and be the shining star in every case. And she says that's Matthew five thirteen through 16. She goes on to say, I agree, Tammy. The scripture above is what was discussed on Sunday by Pastor John Jenkins, and you hit the nail on the head. We are no longer being the light. Our lights as mothers, fathers, grandparents, leaders, etc., is dimmed because we choose to follow the world. I think that goes across all faces and cultures. 
Amen. Agreed. And so, exactly right. I mean, we have prospective roles that we are to carry out and and teach our children how to come up, how to how to be, how to love God, how to honor God first, and love yourself. But we're not teaching them. We're teaching them to love things. The things of this world is what brings them value, peace, and happiness. And when they are without it, kids will commit suicide if they're not able to get the name brand shoes or feel like they they have this to put on or that, you know, in their hair or what the phone. But they've been raised that way. They have been raised that way when it bothers their mind so much so then you you you've raised them that way. Well, and, and I think too, Tammy, um one, I think um parents don't spend enough time with their children for whatever the reason may be. I don't think that parents spend enough time with their children and therefore the children leave home lacking something and then when they get out into the world, the world gives them what they're lacking. The only problem is it's not necessarily what we want them to have or what we think that they should have. But by then it's too late. If you And it's not always you, because we don't have the time, Ronnie, either, you know, and I hear a lot about people saying that, you know, parents have to work and parents working two jobs and doing this and doing that. But people find time to do what has to be done. And I'm I, and and when you can't find the time, you make the time. That's just, that, that, that's that especially true. a mother, especially a mother, because exactly. when you're a, in my opinion, when you're a mother, your children mean everything. They mean the world to you. So you want to make sure that you help them get it right, and 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 that's something that I I keep saying that I have to learn to have patience with and more understanding and compassion for for women who don't, and I'm saying women because, again, I carried Brandon for nine months. Brandon, I was there. I, I know where Brandon came from. <laughs> Y'all can add all the other stuff to it. But, I mean, I don't understand how a, how a mother who does not go above, beyond to make sure that her child has all that he he or she needs, and that includes, like we talked about, the fathers. That includes having a father, a male role model in, in his or her life because that's another thing that I think, going back to the women and the colors of the skin, there's so much rejection. By the time they get to a place to where they should be prepared and ready for the world, they've been rejected so much so, and from the the most important person on this side, which is that father. I, I still strongly believe that that is the foundation, that relationship with, with the worldly father. And you look at society today. That can, we can take it back to the Wheel of Lynch letter of breaking the African-American woman. You break her, you got everything else under control. We've been broken. we sold out and will con- and continue to do so at the expense of our children and society. Sold out. We we we've done what we what we were not supposed to do, and that is conform. Yeah, we we've conformed, and, and and you think about it, the church was if any place, if there was any place that was supposed to be the safe haven, that was supposed to be the 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 refuge, the place where you could go 
was the church. But now you can't even go into the church and seek help because the church has conformed. The church all of a sudden has abandoned principles that we've followed for so many years. The church has abandoned so many things that are written in the Bible, the Bible that we say we live by. The church has gotten away from those things. So now people can't even go to the church when they need help. But, Rodney, you know, even with that, the church has, and and when I hear that, I think about the leaders, and I still see the people going Sunday after Sunday because that's what they want. They want someone that's going to give it to them in the form that they want it that allows them to continue to do what they want to do. And then they want to say that, God, uh, you know, where are you? We, we, we are people, and I'm not talking black or white here. We're people that think God is supposed to help us and give us everything, and we have to do nothing. Matter of fact, we can keep being who we want to be and continue to do what we want to do. And we continue uh, to go and be <laughs> fed this word Sunday after Sunday after Sunday because you're giving them what they want, which is your money, and you're, they're giving you what you want, which is the ability to do what you want to do without conviction. Exactly. You know what, Sammy, uh, that I, even goes with <laughs> to say, I'm sorry, go ahead, Rodney. No, 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 I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was just wanting to say, um, you know, that goes to say, you know, you have, um, I have somebody that I deal with on a regular basis that uh, compares, and he always says, seem like the people in the church is worse than the people in the world. And, you know, with that, I could be, uh, I, I go and I say, um, you know, your relationship with God is your relationship with God. The only thing that preacher duty is to do is to give you the instruction. And it's up to you to obtain that and to take that into the world and use it. Now, you have to realize even with that, even with our case scenario, uh, with our subject title, uh, you have some people that just want to go that way. They don't, they want to, you know, go their own way, and they're okay with that. And you have some that's more convicted. I know someone, she get convicted the minute she even thinking about listening to R&B music. And to somebody else, that's simple as saying their ABCs. You know, it does nothing to them. And I think it's all about that individual and their morals and who they want to be. You think you can get away with being, I'm going to say, discriminated against uh, your own race or other races, or you think you can get away with um, playing God, playing with God inside the church. But eventually, every seed that's sown, whether it's good or bad, is going to show forth itself in the future, and only you will have to pay those consequences of that. And certainly the the, the consequences that people don't understand is it, it, it won't be here. I mean, you'll do what you deal here, but to me, when when you have to stand before God and be accountable, you know, and, and I, I, I don't understand it. And, again, it's not saying that I'm going to tell you how I, I, want, I want to say this, not that I don't understand it. There was a time, people, where I did not understand it. But you have to be willing to go against the grain. You have to be willing to change your mindset, to change your thoughts. The Word tells you to renew your mind. Renew your mind. Guard your heart. Out of, out of it flows life. When we just let anything and anybody in our lives, we let anything, anything goes. We don't speak up in truth. We 
sugarcoat things for people, whether they're just saying, hey, this is this is what it is. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. It's not what you say, it's if you say it. And we're not saying anything again because we feel like if I hold you accountable, then you're going to hold me accountable. And I'm not clean and don't want to be. You know, it's like little kids, you tell one to take a bath, and he says, well, Johnny hadn't taken the bath. Neither by, nobody wants to take a bath. Nobody wants to be clean. So we're just going around playing this, this game and this role with life. And our kids are suffering. Women are suffering. Men are suffering. Families are suffering. And so if all these people in their prospective places and roles are suffering, then where does that leave our future as a whole, as a people? Whether you like me, whether I'm brown, brown or black, whatever, because it's going to come a time when none of that matters when none of that matters, where we live, where we come from, how we look, who we are, whose child we are, none of that is going to matter. And I think that time is going to come while we're here. So with uh, just a few minutes to go, you guys, we have, uh, I so thought this would be about an hour show, but we're working on that. <laughs> but but uh, I want to really quick if 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 one of you can just kind of give some final thoughts while I look for this. Um, and for those of you in the chat line, let me say this real quick. Because we have three minutes, if you want to continue to listen, because we may go over just a little, it does cut off the chat line. Uh, so if you're listening through the chat line or some other source other than calling in and you want to, because, again, we may go over just a little bit, not long, 818-691-7406. Again, 818 818- Six nine one seven four zero six. Um, I'm going to get these few things out of the chat here real quick. Um, Fry D Sam three says true tally. I think what goes across all races and I think that goes across all races and cultures. Um, Amen. Agreed. Tally comes back and then Tally says things that have no true value. A sad reality for the state of the modern culture. Um, and they're kind of having their own conversation here. So what I'll do is, because we just got the indication for 90 seconds, again, if you want to continue, so we'll go over just a little bit. I already know that now. 818-691-7406. Go ahead and call in now so that you won't miss the last few words. I do want to share some information about the event Saturday. Um, so Val and Rodney, if you'll go ahead and just kind of give some closing remarks while I look for this information about Friday uh, Friday's meet and greet. Uh, Val, please go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, well, you know, I, I just want to say that I am honored to have been a part of this conversation. I know that uh, I pose more questions than I have more uh, ability to enlighten as far as the facts of, you know, considering our history. But um, as speaking for the my age range and you know my culture this is you know things that uh post questions that we have posed and issues that we are dealt with and i just look forward to seeing the day when we as a people begin to fight again because it seems that the society is so weak and comfortable in the position that it's in and to me that saddens me as a young woman because i always fight to to install the structure within my sons. My sons are only four years old, and I will make my son do things that I know that probably the average four-year-old probably can't do, but I do that because I don't put limitations on him 
as an individual because I don't know what he's going to be in the future or what things that he's going to have to be faced with. So I don't want him to put limitations on himself. And I think that we as a people, as a whole, to come together shouldn't put limitations on each other as far as classifying what's greater and and what's not, you know, because that's ignorance. And we should get to the bigger picture of the thing and which what's important is survival technique and how we are going to unify who we are as people how are we going to become that firm structure what can we do why not start fighting why not start making little events for each other why not start encouraging each other when you see the other one why not why not start now it starts with you you could say oh this person can do that this person can do that but it starts with you as an individual and that's all i have to say and i am starting <laughs> if anybody <laughs> wants a question i am starting myself you know it, you know that's how i feel about the situation We have to remember that there are three parts to every human being that that make us human beings, that make us who we are, and that is the body, the soul, and the spirit. The body that you are in, the flesh, was only given to you so that you can function here on earth. Because your soul and your spirit cannot walk around earth and survive. So in order for your soul and spirit to function here on earth, you have to have a a fitting covering. That's the only purpose of your actual flesh of your body, so that you can survive here while you're on earth. But your soul and your spirit are the living part of who you are. That is where your intellect comes from, your emotions, your feelings. That is the part of you that is living. That is the part of you that God looks at. There are going to be people who we view as beautiful, gorgeous, pretty, who won't be judged in the way that we think that they're going to be judged. You think about the story of the rich man who died and went to hell. You think about the story of of the poor man who that that wasn't his ending. The part of you that matters is what no one else can see but you and God. That is the person that you should focus on. And when you are looking at other people, don't judge them. But get to know who they are. Get to know everything other than their skin. Get to know that part of them. We always say, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. I fall short. I make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. But if you read the Bible, the Bible clearly states, in fact, write it down, James, third chapter, the second verse. There, there is a, a such thing as a perfect person, but as long as you keep going off of the worldly definition of perfection, you'll never be perfect. But find out what God actually says about being a perfect person. Thank you so much, uh, Tammy, for having me on. Val, it was great being on with you as well. I would like to invite everyone to read both of my books, uh, 
proud of being black and from the heart of a teacher. Also on July the 22nd um, at 6.30 p.m., I will be doing a book talk at the Martin Luther King Memorial Library right here in Washington, D.C. And, you know, Ronnie, I, I had a couple of thoughts in my head about the book as we were talking tonight, and just it just totally went away. I guess we got side, sidetracked, <laughs> but so rele- relevant to what we're talking about because, and people really do read it, read it, read it. If you have not, tired of being black, read that one first uh, because it speaks so much about what we are talking about tonight as well. You know, you you, you get in, in that book, Ronnie just talks more about the perception. You know, because he's a black male, um, you have white people who see, well, say, well, may say you're different, and black people say you're a sellout because he does not meet the stereotypes or you know meet up to what a black man uh, should at this age. You know, jail time, three kids from three different women, and play a player, all those things. And I'm just using my own terms. But a great, great, great read. And and make it a family project. Start some book clubs. See, these are things that we can do differently. And I love how we're able to, to get a topic and just make it about you because that's what it's about. How you see the world is how you see yourself. When you start to think about the things that – bother you when you when someone says something what what strikes you what things that you start to respond to whether negatively or positively when you start to think about why did that why did that make me feel some kind of way why did I look at her and I don't even know this woman because I've had like Val said I've had to do that self-check that re I've had the reality check Let, let's see what's going on in you Tammy and when you do that again you will realize it's not the other person it's you because when you become okay with you, when you like the meal that you cook, when you like the house that you go in, the car that you drive, it won't matter what everybody else is driving because you're comfortable with what you have and who you are. So I challenge you to find out not what color someone else's skin is, but what color are you inside? Who are you inside? The things that Rodney spoke about that were supposed to make us to be our life, what God will, will judge us by, those are the things that have died. We have let died. We have killed them. They no longer matter to us. But there will come a day, if you believe in anything dealing with God, there will come a day that those, that is all that will matter. I love the way Rodney narrowed it down about those things in the dark. I always say, who are you when the lights go off? What are your thoughts? If we could find out everything you thought just today alone, would it be okay with you? And I I can tell you, y'all would be like, what, Tammy? You you thought about that? Yep. But I'm thinking now to the point where I know what to hold on to and what I need to let go. Because I have a destiny. I have a plan. And I have to consistently work at that plan daily, sometimes hourly, sometimes minute by minute, sometimes second by second, and then have to call somebody to say, help me through this. So that's what this show is about. Thank you, guys. Um, Thank you, Val. Thank you, Rodney. Great show. I love the direction that we were able to go with it. Um, had so many people listening, Some, so many people called in, got off the chat line and called in, thankful 
Thank you, thank you. So that says you guys are getting something from this. Two hours, eight minutes, and counting, and we're still going. And you've hung <laughs> in there. So apply it. Don't 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 get all the knowledge. It says that people perish for a lack of knowledge. I also think there's a lot of knowledge that we have that we do nothing with. No progression, no progress. Free without progress. Don't be free without progress. So live your life, live the best life. I said I was going to give you this information. I'll be real quick. Um, it's a meet and greet Friday um, at Legends. Be there before 10. You can get in free, meet the speakers, say hello. Hope you are planning to come out Saturday, uh, 6 to 9. Be there on time. We are going to start on time regardless. We will start on time. Um, So be there. Invite someone. And, again, Legends here in Memphis. It's on Winchester Road. I don't have the address. I believe it's 7144, but don't quote me on that. It is Legends. If you get there before 10, absolutely free. We'll be there. Um, They'll probably have some books and things like that on hand as well. But come out and support. If you can't come Friday, please do uh, purchase a ticket or come on Saturday. You can pay at the door, but it is first come, first serve at the door. If we're crowded, if we're done, that's. I'm sorry, we'll have to turn you away. So it would be best for you to get your ticket in advance. Any questions, you can call me, 901-830-6088 about the event, the show, or anything else. Any show topics, suggestions, call me as well, 901-830-6088. The website, www.butterflyevolution.org. Again, butterflyevolution.org. Thank you. And, Rodney, as far as I know, we are on tomorrow night. Um, yeah, as far as I know. Okay, okay. All right, so you guys, um, Monday nights for sure, and Tuesdays as we get the guests in or out. So if you if you know anything about young people, teachers, or anything that you want to talk about on Tuesday night, connect with Rodney um, about that. Rodney, is that okay for Tuesday nights? Yes, ma'am. That'd be great. Okay, okay. you want to tell them how to get in touch with you the best way? Uh, you can reach me uh, through email at Jordan Literature. That's J O R D A N L I T E R A T U R E at gmail dot com. That is the best way um, to reach me. Okay, okay. And and if you, I just thought about this, Rodney. If, if you all want to as well, you can send a note through the website, and I can get it to Rodney. We actually probably should add a link on there to to go directly to you, Rodney. We'll work on that, you guys, but just kind of hang in with us as we work through Tuesday night, um, adding that night for the Butterfly Evolution show. So, Val, I want to say thank you. I'm so glad, um, you know, Val and I have not met you guys, neither has Rodney and I, but (laughs) someone connected Val and I, and we talked, and it was like we've always been friends. It was just like, okay, I already know you. But we exactly. don't. So I want to just thank you, and that's what sisterhood is about. It's about connecting and and being different, but being alike in so many ways, and embracing each other's differences and loving each other through whatever it is. Because we all have our stuff. We all have it. So love somebody a little lighter. Work to understand who they are and what their point of reference is, where they're coming from, with who they are, and give them a break as you love them. So. 
that's my takeaway for tonight. Thank you all again for for tuning in. Back to you guys. Any last word before we say good night? Uh, no, that is all for me. Okay, Val. Um, I will just say you could draw bees faster with honey than you can with lemons. <laughs> So get some money. Go get some money. Go get some money. Well, thanks again. And you guys, I have to. um, As you faithful listeners know by now, we always end with the same song. Because, again, my my wonderful cousin, Diane out of Atlanta, was the first one in. So we always go out with uh, her favorite song. Diane, I want to give you a shout-out, tell you I love you for your support. And um, say good night to everyone, and, and check us out for tomorrow. We may be on. If not, we'll certainly be back on on next Monday. And come out to the event this weekend, Friday and or Saturday. Thank you all, and have a good night. Remember to get your honey out. Good night, everyone.
Like fighting with rap 